how to turn that on. There we go. All right, we're going to finish up Acts chapter 1. So if you find your place in Acts chapter 1 there, we'll get to that in just a minute here. In Acts chapter 1, um, we've been looking all day today at what comes next. Uh, what's next as we look at the what happened after the resurrection of Jesus there at the end of Luke and, and then the beginning of Acts here. We're trying to understand the steps that Jesus is working in and, and using in and through the church and ultimately through us, how God is working through us and the things that God wants to do uh, through us. Uh, kind of like the, the tourist that was at the Grand Canyon and observing the beauty of the Grand, Grand Canyon and she told the ranger, and said, I, I wish I had been here to see, I wish I could be here to see this happening. And the ranger looked at her and says, you are, you are. <laughs> and we are here with God, doing what God's doing in the church. We're here about the business of the church. We're here witnessing that, but we don't have to wish to see it. We are here. Um, uh, it should be our privilege. And again, I said this morning, it's what really was kind of a uh, something that hit me hard, that touched me, that uh, really impressed me as we studied this, was that we are that next chapter. We're, we're really the continuation of what Jesus was doing in Acts. And I really never knew, I knew that, but I just never had really put it in my head. And it was really a, 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 something that stayed with me and had been a neat thought here, um, uh, that part of that. And, and here, after 2,000 years, Jesus is still working. God is still working on the church and through the church, and we're part of that process and part of the what God has planned. You know, we've come to understand here as we looked at the resurrection and the things that went on here, the the commission uh, that that God had is uh, for for the church as Jesus was there uh, preaching to the church uh, those those days after the resurrection, before He ascended into heaven. He was telling them everything about the kingdom of God, and He really expressed with the disciples the message that we are supposed to be carrying out. And that message is that Jesus is alive, uh, that through his resurrection, through the power of his resurrection, we can have salvation. And we need to be declaring that uh, message through the power of the Holy Spirit to, to everyone we meet. And then we saw that 40 days after the resurrection, as the disciples were there listening to Jesus teach on the Mount of Olives, uh, Jesus ascended back into heaven and as he ascended to heaven, the, those angels came back and, and gave us the promise that God gave us that just as the disciples saw him rise up off this earth, that he would again return in like fashion. And we have a promise of the return of Jesus Christ. And, and that, that return, that promise that we have should give us a, a, an urgency, an intensity, a, a commitment to share our lives, share the message uh, that Jesus has left for us to to uh, to to uh, share with others. So as we look at the last part of Acts chapter one here, Acts chapter one, uh, and starting in verse twenty six uh, or twenty or fourteen, I'm sorry, verse fourteen, we're going to see a decision that the disciples are left with. The, dis the disciples have to make a decision, and how are they going to make that decision? You know, there was once a wealthy man that, that had died, and, and he left all of his inheritance, he left everything, his fortune, to his nephew John. And when they come, when he came, John came to the lawyer's office to, for the lawyer to read the, the will and, and read what, what was left, he said, according to your uncle's instructions, payment of your inheritance will depend on the choices that you must make. And he held out his left and his right hand, and he says, uh, choose which one of these, these you, you would like to have. 
And John looked at those for a little bit, and he, he chose what was in the left hand. And so uh, uh, the lawyer uh, uh, opened his right hand up, and in the right hand there was a gold coin and a silver coin. And he said, these represent your uncle's holdings uh, that were in uh, Chile and in Brazil, uh, the, these, mine, these silver and gold mines that were there. Uh, you could have inherited those, but instead you have chosen, and he opened his left hand, and there was a coffee bean. He said, you've chosen a, the, the coffee plantation uh, that your father owns, a plantation down in Brazil, and that's the one you have chosen. So uh, John gets on a plane to go see his inheritance, and he flies down to Brazil. And lo and behold, as he gets to Brazil, he finds out that the, the uh, coffee plantation has burned the ground. And of course, with uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, shortage of coffee now, prices are going up, but John doesn't have any coffee to sell, and he had made the choice not to buy any insurance on that coffee uh, as, he, as he left town, and so he's left with nothing. He's lost everything. He has nothing except enough money to get by his air fair to get back home, and as he gets ready to go home, he has a choice to make. He can either fly home to New York City, or he can fly back to Los Angeles, and, and there stay with a friend there that he has in Los Angeles, and he decides that he would like to go to Los Angeles, and so he pays the fare to go to Los Angeles, and as he uh, is watching and getting onto his plane, or, or they get called for his plane, he watches the airliner uh, that's leaving for New York pull out on the runway. It's a brand new it's a Boeing 777, you know, getting ready to, to fly to New York City uh, and go there, and he looks at the plane. He's about ready to get on, and it's a, an old 1928 Ford tri-motor, you know, that can hardly get off the ground with him, and, and so he's flying to Los Angeles, and as they're flying over the Andes Mountains, two of the engines fall off of the plane and the pilot's saying hey we're gonna have to bail out we're gonna have to get out of this plane here but there's only two parachutes you choose you choose you get to make the choice here and so uh, he picks the the one on the left hand side again he picks the left parachute he get, puts it on gets to the door jumps out of the airplane as he gets ready to pull the rip cord he pulls the cord and the and cable breaks the parachute won't deploy, and so he has to try to get the reserve chute open, and the reserve chute gets out and gets all tangled out, and as he's falling, he cries out, St. Francis, save me! And suddenly a giant hand go, comes down and grabs a hold of the streamers that are holding out there and holds on to, and holds on to John there in the air, and then a voice says very gently, do you mean St. Francis Xavier or St. Francis of Assisi? Life is full of choices. We have choices all the time that we have to make. And uh, the disciples are facing a choice here, whether to replace Judas uh, or, or, or the, how to replace Judas, uh, the, the one that had betrayed Jesus. And, you know, this is going to be a critical choice. And it's going to be one of those choices uh, that uh, can impact the future of this infant, new, growing church and how they will proceed forward uh, in these choices. Uh, uh, God, how to use God's resources. And, you know, we, we we are faced with decisions every day. As a church, we're faced with decisions. You know, how to use those resources God has placed here, uh, how to deal with this finances, how to deal with the facility, how to run the, the ministries that God is leading us to start and to, to use here, how to, how to work those, those, uh, those uh, ministries. 
But in our families and in our lives, we also face choices, don't we? We face choices as well, all the time. Uh, um, you know, uh, what, how, is our, how are we going to deal with our kids? How are we going to deal with our family? Uh, uh, how are we going to use the blessings that God has placed on our lives? Uh, where do we go to school? Where do we send our kids to school? What kind of career am I going to have? What can I do to help my children out? Uh, how do we handle all these circumstances? And, uh, uh, you know, sometimes it can seem overwhelming as we face all these choices but um, we have to use Scripture as, as we come to these choices and we struggle with those decisions that we have to make. And how can we make those decisions? Uh, uh, how do we make them according to the will of God? And we make the correct ones. So we want to pick up here in Acts chapter uh, 1 and verse number 14. And we'll look here at the examples that the apostles left us here as the, at the starting of the church here that we can use in our lives about making choices. Uh, these these. These all continue with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of his disciples and said uh, the number of them together were about 120. Men and brethren, this scripture must needs uh, have been fulfilled. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us all together tonight. We thank you for the services this morning. We thank you for those that, that were here, the, the visitors, uh, each one that, that was here uh, worshiping this morning with us. Lord, we, we ask you to uh, uh, bless our study tonight as we look at the last part of Acts chapter 1 here. Lord, uh, just uh, help make it uh, dear to our heart, Lord, that we are your continuing work as, as, as your plan for the church is continuing to go forth in this world, Lord, that we are the ones that are carrying forth the plan. We're the ones uh, that, that are, are serving you and, and that you are using to get your work done. And Lord, I pray that that will become uh, uh, just real in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So let's uh, stop and think here for a minute. Back up in verse number 14, uh, it says <clears throat> that they continued with one accord. When it comes to making decisions according to God's will, uh, there's three things we need to have. And the first one that we need to have is we need to have one mind. They, they were all with one accord. They had one mindset, one, one uh, way of thinking together. You know, you can take two cats and you can tie their tails together. I don't recommend it, but you can tie their tails together and you have a union, right? You have a union, but you're a long ways from having unity between those two cats, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's like that in the church, you know. We have a church and we have a union with Christ and we'll all admit that we all have the same Savior. He all died for us. We all deserve salvation in the same way. But sometimes we're a long ways from having unity uh, uh, based on that union that we have. And that's what we need to have one mind as we make these decisions. And here we see there was 120 disciples here in this first church that were gathered together. And it says they were all of one mind. And what does that mean? What, what is a, a place that's gathering together? What, what's a church all about? You know, is it just a, a bunch of people that are, are gathered together that have the same beliefs? They have the, the same mind and morals? Is it just a place where we gather to pass on traditions to our kids, to our, to our children? Uh, uh, is it just a place we can learn the Christian lifestyle and learn how to, how to live the Christian lifestyle? Uh, Maybe some people think of church just as a benevolent society, just to give out money and give out the things to help people and, and, and to, to help people out here. Uh, it's uh, all these things here. Uh, uh, but many people today even really can't give you a good definition of what the church is. 
It's the building on the corner, you know? That's, that's their idea of what a church is. But what is a church? What's a church all about? What, what's their purpose? How do we decide? You know, those things I mentioned, most of those things uh, have some, some relevancy in the church. You know, they're, they're, they can be parts of the church, and there's nothing wrong with some of those things. But uh, we need to look at 1, Corinthians, or, you know, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and see what Paul tells Timothy about the church and what the church is about. 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse number 15, Paul writes that, But if I tarry long, that thou, thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of, tru- of the truth. So the church... Above all things, it's supposed to be the pillar and the groundwork of all the truth. What's the truth here he's talking about? The truth is the gospel message. It's the message of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And that's the, that's the truth that, that the church is about. That's what we are supposed to uphold. That's what we are supposed to be talking about and, and preaching about. And everything we have, have should be focused on that message, on that truth that we have. We should be of a single mind uh, uh, proclaiming uh, and, the agree- and an agreement about getting that truth out uh, to the world and to the community around us here. And we do that by relying on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in and through us. He blends us together. He, he teaches us together. And He leads us in the way that the church should be going to deliver that message. And so the first church here in Jerusalem, they gathered, they knew what they had been called to do, uh, they, and they had a decision they had to make that, that would fit that purpose, the purpose of proclaiming the Word of God, the truth. That was the, the, the purpose, and so the decision they had to be made had to be based on that purpose uh, that the church had. And so the first part of making a decision is we need to have one mind, we must be focused on one purpose. Uh, too many times the church gets focused, well, this per- group over here thinks we ought to be having coffee in the morning, and this group over here thinks, no, we ought to be going out and driving bus routes, and this per- group over here thinks we ought to be uh, uh, serving food. But the purpose, the, the, the union that we should have, because the purpose that we're trying to, to achieve is getting the gospel and proclaiming the gospel message to those that are around us, uh, proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that he is alive. That's our purpose. And that's the, that's the, with that common purpose, it should bring us all together as we make the choices. The second thing we see here in the, in the scripture here is that they continued in prayer. Uh, they, they were in one accord in prayer and supplication. They were in prayer, not, not just little prayer, prayer meetings at the beginning of the message, you know, or prayer meetings at the end when we say goodbye. These, they were in a time of prayer, coming together in a time of prayer. I don't know much about the old churches in, in Russia, but the, I know I've seen pictures of the beautiful uh, cathedrals that, that had been in Russia with the, the big golden domes and the ornate interiors. And uh, um, uh, there during the, com- the time of communism, most of those churches had been turned into museums. They had been turned into uh, uh, concert halls, uh, tourist attractions. Well, in 1990, at the end, when, when the Soviet Union fell and Russia fell, uh, they began to reconsecrate these churches back to worship and to serving God. 
Okay, and uh, uh, there was uh, Alex, Alexei II was the patriarch of the Russian Orthodox Church here, uh, and he, he uh, worked on the, the, the Cathedral of the Assumption, and then at the, uh, the Church of the Great Ascension, as it was getting consecrated, there were several thousand people that were gathered together for, for that service and that religious possession. But what I want to take note of is the, the words that he spoke here, the, 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 the speech that he gave at that, that consecration of that church. He said, what was struck in my mind, uh, 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 see, the church, the churches are beginning, are, the churches are being revived, not by their external restoration, but the prayers pronounced in them. Without these prayers, the well-treated Kremlin cathedrals stood dead in their whitewashed walls for 72 years. And so what was bringing these churches back wasn't just the fact that they were putting money or putting effort into restoring the buildings, but it was the prayer that was beginning to take place in those cathedrals and then bringing people back to God and worshiping that. You know, we're tempted sometimes in church to get distracted by the finances of the church, by the ministries of the church, by the attendance of the church, you know, and we think all these things reflect the inward life and our measure of how the inward life of the church is going. But a lot of times they can become just whitewashed walls. They can transfer the church into that museum we talked about this morning or into a concert hall or into a tourist attraction. But it's when we come together in prayer, when the congregation is focused on prayer, not just the pastor, not just a time that's led by the pastor, uh, not just short little prayer meetings here, but a time of continual, devotional, habitual prayer, when we have that kind of prayer life, it, it's, it, it brings us together in unity. And why does it do that? Is because when we come to, to the Lord in prayer, when it humbles our heart and it makes us realize that we're putting our lives in the hand of God, that we're giving him our hearts and everything that we are and asking him to mold us and shape us into the image of his son. It's hard to come to God in prayer with a big haughty attitude that, God, I deserve this. I'm going to ask you for this because I think you owe it to me. You know, that's not the kind of prayers that's going to go very far. It's the prayers that are done in humility. Prayers really like, well, God, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve these things. I, I know you saved me, and I know I'm a Christian, but, you know, I, I don't deserve uh, these blessings that you bestowed on me. But can you help me be, be more like your son? Can you help me to testify, uh, be a better testimony to those around me? Can you make me do these things? And, and when those things begin to come into our lives, it, it changes who we are. It removes those things that keep us back from doing the perfect will of God. Uh, we, that prayer is crucial in making our decisions according to God's will. So we have to have a common purpose a purpose together, being of one mind. We have to be have a time in prayer. And, and the third thing is how important scriptures are in, in our us make, in our making our decisions here. Uh, pick up in verse number sixteen here, kind of where we left off. Men and brethren, this scripture needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was a guide to them that took Jesus, for he was numbered with us and had obtained part in the, of this ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all of his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers of Jerusalem insomuch as, they, as that field is called in the proper tongue, 
akeldama, which is to say the field of blood. For it, is, for it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate, and let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. And so uh, we know uh, from, from the Genesis, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we know that Judas, uh, he was kind of uh, w- with the disciples there. He was the treasurer uh, uh, for Jesus and the disciples. He took care of the money. But it seems to indicate here that Judas kind of was... Uh, uh, skimming a little off the top, you know, taking a little bit under the table, so to speak, uh, from, from the, the, the money that was given uh, for the ministry that for Jesus there. You know, let's just call it like it was. He was a thief. You know, he was stealing the money uh, that was there. Uh, um, and it seems like he was uh, trying to buy a plot of land. He was trying to purchase some land, whether he was making payments or he was just saving up to, to buy it all at one time. I, I'm, we're not sure here, but he, he, he was trying to, to, to purchase his land. And, uh, uh, and so he, he was slowly accumulating this money to do that. Well, at the end of Jesus' ministry there, Judas is beginning to realize, hey, this isn't going the way I planned. You know, the cash flow is going to stop here pretty soon, and so I need to finish getting the money together so I can buy this land. And so he makes a deal with the, the uh, leaders of the church there, of the synagogue, to, to betray Jesus. 30 pieces of silver, that should finish up paying my mortgage payments. You know, I can get all my, my land paid off there for 30 pieces of silver. And so he betrays Jesus with a kiss there in the garden and, 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 uh, and receives his money. And, but we know the story that as, he, he, uh, as time went on, uh, he began to feel guilty about that. He, he uh, regretted what he had done. And he took the, the money back to the synagogue, back to the temple, Threw it at, cast it at the feet of the of the priests there, of the of the leaders there, of the high priests there, and, and went out and hung himself. And the priests took that money and they finished paying for the potter's field, and it became known as the place where Judas had committed suicide, the place of blood. Now you may think all that was no big deal, you know, but do you realize all those things were in the Old Testament? All the things that Judas was doing were prophesied in the Old Testament. If you go back to Jeremiah, which had been written almost 600 years earlier uh, than all these events that took place back in Jeremiah chapter 19, it talks about the potter's field. And it talks about how the, the, this field would be purchased with, with the blood money there, the potter's field. You go back 450 years back in Zechariah chapter 11. And it even tells us how much that field was going to cost. It was going to cost 30 pieces of silver uh, to buy that field and, and how much Jesus was going to be sold for. And then Peter even here quotes a scripture here uh, that was a thousand years before all these events took place found in the book of Psalms uh, 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 written by David here in Psalms 96 and in Psalms 109 and, and tells about the very thing that Judas that happened to Judas here. So these things were not necessarily a new event, not something that, 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 was, that should have taken them too much by surprise. They, they, there was scripture written, written about these things. And I think uh, all during this time between the, the 10 days from when Jesus ascended to, to, to the coming of the Holy Spirit, they had been studying and they had been going over scripture and they had been discussing it and looking at the application of, of these scriptures and probably remembering memory verses. And 
Hey, you know, I wonder if Psalms there 109 was talking about Judas. Hey, I wonder if Zechariah, if that verse, that scripture passage was talking about Judas. They were in the scriptures, seeing how scriptures uh, 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 would guide them and direct them in, in making those decisions here. And in verse 21, Paul says, we need to make a decision. Wherefore of these men, uh, which we ha have accompanied with us all that the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. He said, we need to make a decision here on who it's going to be uh, the, an apostle to replace Judas. Um, I, I have always wondered, you know, in, at the, at the uh, if I remember how, how it goes right, in Revelations in the New Jerusalem, on the 12 gates are written the names of the 12 apostles, or I'm sorry, they're written the tw uh, 12 tribes of Israel, but on the foundation are the 12 names of the apostles. So is Matthias the one that's chosen here, or is Paul going to be the one that's written on that 12th foundation? You know, I always have wondered. That's been a question in my mind, but we'll find out, I guess, when we get to heaven and we see the new Jerusalem there. So, but uh, anyway, get going back on here, uh, they had to make a decision, and there's two criterias uh, for an apostle. And, and we all know that the, 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 the uh, Office of apostles is is gone. Yeah, there's no longer an apostle. Uh, that some people still still try to have an apostle, uh, an office of apostle. Uh, but uh, according to to uh, Peter here, the the office of apostle you had to be with the disciples from the beginning, or, and you had to witness the resurrection of Jesus. So unless you're a couple thousand years old, it's probably impossible for you to be an apostle, right? So, <laughs> but that that was the criteria. Why was that so important? Why, why wasn't just a man filled with the Holy Spirit? Why, why were these things important to them? It's because our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ isn't just built on a philosophy. It's not just built on fables and on legends, but our, our faith is actually grounded on facts. It's grounded on scripture. It's grounded on the things that God's done for us. Why did Jesus always want us to go back? God always want Israel and us to go back and remember things because our, our faith is based on facts. It's based on things that have happened. And so they needed a man that was an eyewitness, a man that could testify that, yes, Jesus rose again. We were with Jesus. I saw Jesus. I heard his teachings. These are the things Jesus said. And, and these apostles, these leaders, these founders uh, 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 of the first churches here uh, throughout, throughout the uh, uh, known world there of Rome at that time, these men had to be uh, ones that, had firsthand experience about what Jesus had said and what Jesus had done. Uh, they, they had to, to, to do that. And even today, we need to be careful that all of our decisions are grounded in the revelations of Scripture, that we look into Scripture and see what God has done, what He will do, what He's promised to do. We need to look at examples after examples. We need to, to teach and read and understand and, and, and ask God for understanding and, and all these things in Scripture here so that the decisions we make will be in His will. Where do we find His will? We find it in Scripture. So when we look in Scripture and we're trying to make a decision, we need to find out is what we're trying to decide contrary to what God said, or maybe there's nothing there, or maybe there's something particular, specific about what God says, and we need to look at Scripture and find those things out as we, as we, as we try to make a decision. So we have a purpose. We have to be of one mind. We have to be in much prayer, uh, drawing closer to Jesus, getting cl a closer relationship with Him so we can know what He wants us to do. We can have a better understanding of the direction He wants us to take and being in Scripture as we look at those things that might be contrary to Scripture. 
Verse 23 goes on here, and they appointed two, Joseph, called uh, Barsabbas, uh, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that, we may, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the 11 apostles. Now, it might sound there like a, the guy that you know was studying the Bible, trying to find out God's, the God's will uh, for the Bible there, and, and he let the Bible fall open, and it said, and Judas went out and hanged himself, you know. Well, he didn't like that choice that he had, you know, so he, he closed the Bible again and let it fall back open again. And you remember what, what it said next, right? You know, it, it said, go out and do likewise, you know. Oh, man, it says, well, one more time. So he closed the Bible again, let it fall open again. This time it fell open. The scripture says, and what thou doest, do it quickly. <laughs> you know, that, that's kind of what this decision makes. You know, we're going to cast lots here, kind of like going to the casino, you know, taking a chance uh, uh, on, on making such an important decision here. It doesn't seem like it's really dignified, but here we had two qualified men, two men that were perfectly qualified. Nothing was disqualifying them. How do they choose? And, and they, they chose that by, by, the, by the selection of lot here, uh, casting the lots as, as we've seen in the Old Testament. Now, you know, that they may seem like that's kind of a, um, uh, an arbitrary way, you know, to make it such a decision, a foolish way. I don't know if it's necessarily something that we need to put in our Constitution, you know, that we need to cast lots when it comes to early decisions. Maybe it cut down, maybe bring us together in unity, maybe a little more. But why, why would they do that? And uh, Proverbs 16.33, Proverbs 16.33, so- Solomon says here, The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole dis- disposing thereof is of the Lord. These apostles realized that they were doing everything in the will of God. And no matter where the lot fell, God was in control. God was in control of that decision. God was going to make that, take that decision and, and it would be, be, be the choice that God had because God is in, in control. I mean, do we think we can spoil God's plans by casting lots and making the wrong choice? God's in control. We, he, he's in control. And, and that's what they came to realize is that the, no matter what decision they made, that God was going to be in control uh, of that decision. Um, so, so how do we move forward? How do we move forward making decisions? You know, as a church, you know, we need to move forward making decisions by considering God's will, thinking about our purpose. What is God's purpose for the church? And, and, and figuring out, being of one mind in that purpose, coming together in prayer, bringing ourselves uh, uh, together and, and being totally absorbed in, the, in, in, in prayer and the study of Scripture. And, and we need to hold each other accountable in those areas. Uh, and we must expect our leadership to be accountable in those areas. And we make decisions that way. And when it comes to our own personal life, uh, what, how do we make decisions in our own personal life? Are you ahead of me yet? Do you know the answer? We have to know what God's purpose is for our life. We have to spend time in prayer, and we have to spend time in Scripture and to make those decisions that God wants for us to make. There's one other thing we have to do, though, is we also have to have faith, a faith that demands a decision, okay? If we truly believe that that's what God has for us and that's the decision that we are supposed to make, then it's time to step out in faith and make that decision, 
You know, Abraham, God came to Abraham and said, Abraham, I want you to leave your home. I want you to pick up and I want you to go to a land that I will show you. And I want you to go. Didn't give him much instructions. Didn't tell him to take the Greyhound or the, or the airlines or didn't tell him what to do. He just said, go. And Abraham had to make a decision. He had to make some choices. And he picked up and he went and he obeyed. It was his faith in what God had called him to do that he went and did it. God came to Moses and said, Moses, I need you to go back to Egypt and set my people free. And Moses, God made the choice. He gave, took the sheep back to his, his father-in-law Jethro, picked up and went back to Egypt, a place where he was already you know, sentenced as a murderer that you know, he could have went back and they could have instantly executed him uh, because, because of him killing one of the, uh, uh, Pharaoh's soldiers there. But he did what God said. He stepped out in faith and he made a choice. And here are the apostles. They had a choice to make. Matthias or, or, jo, or, or, Barabbas, or uh, uh, Justice, which one do we choose? Which one of these do we choose? And in faith, they stepped out and they made a choice and they chose Matthias. How do we know that we're making the right choice? I'm going to burst your bubble here a little bit. And frankly, we can't. We can't. Uh, we can look at, we can make sure that, uh, that we have the right mind and we know the will of God. And that as best as we can, that, we, that we're not being contrary to what Scripture has, that we're not uh, 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 being contrary to what, what the Bible says. We can spend time in prayer weighing those decisions and, and opening our heart up so that we're closer to the heart of God, uh, living in that deep, intimate relationship with Him so, so that we can know better that we're doing His will. And we, we look into Scripture and we honestly uh, weigh those things and, and look for guidance and, and, and correction in the courses of our lives. But then when it comes down to it, if we're in line with what God says then we just need to step out and make a decision. And you know, the God that loved us from, from before we were born, while we were still being formed in our mother's womb, it, the, the God that loved us uh, even, even then, he is going to take those decisions, and you know what? He's going to be able to use them for his glory. If they're within his will, if they're within in, in what God, there's nothing in, in our prayers, and there's nothing in our Bible study that says otherwise, God's going to be able to take those things and use those things. But we need to step out in faith and do those things that God is showing us that we need to do. We need to trust him. Uh, we need to trust that he is going to uh, do what's best with those decisions, that he's going to use those decisions for his glory and for uh, our best good. He's going to use those things and step out and make that decision. Uh, God will not allow us to make a decision that is unredeemable. Those decisions, as long as we are faithfully following what God wants, that doesn't mean we just arbitrarily said, you know, I really want to do this, and I, I, I can reason with myself that that's the best decision to make, and that's the decision I'm going to make. Now, that's, God isn't going to bless that because it wasn't done with prayer, it wasn't done with Bible study, it wasn't done according to His will in His life. I always get really amazed with people that, I found a new job. It's over here in this other city, and you ask, well, what church you are going to go to? Well, there is no church in that city. Uh, you going to start a church there? No. Could that be in God's will to move to a city where you have no fellowship, you have no, no, no strength uh, in, in membership in a, in a church, in God's church? Or, you know, would, would you need to move to a city there? Unless that's part of your plan is to start a church. But people say, no, that's in God's will. God wants me to move to that city to get this new job. No, you want that new job because it's better paying or it's a better position. And God's not necessarily going to bless that, that, that job because it's not in his will. Uh, 
But when we bathe those things in prayer, looking to his will, this is a place that, yes, there is a church home I can go to. I can minister at that new, new location. I, I can, I can uh, um, uh, 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 be active in, in that church. And, and there, there's just things that God has, has placed there in those things, and you're studying Scripture. There's nothing against that. You know, it's not named Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, so, <laughs> you know it's a place I can go to. Then we can make a decision, step out in faith, and go there, and God's going to bless those things. And he's going he's gonna to use those choices. So a lot of times we struggle looking for God to, you know, send that telegram from heaven, you know, that, 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 uh, that, that email to us, you know, saying, hey, this is, this is the right decision, do that. And that isn't going to necessarily happen. But that doesn't mean God is not there guiding us and directing us and leading us. But it takes a little effort on our part. Being in one mind and purpose, focused on the purpose of what God has for our life. Not what Robert Phillips has for his life what God has for my life, what God wants me to do. We have prayer, spend time in prayer and, 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 and getting close to God and spending time in Scripture as we make those decisions. That's how we make decisions, not just personally, but as a church. As a church, as we go forward and make decisions and, and decisions of, of things that are, are ministries or, or, or whatever it might be, as we make decisions in this church, we need to spend time in prayer and spend time in Scripture and spend time making sure that we have the same purpose that God has for this church, and that's to, to preach and teach uh, the gospel message to everybody that we have. And that's how the apostles chose Matthias. You ever heard anything bad about Matthias? Matthias went out and proclaimed the gospel and, and went out and became one of the apostles and, and stood up. Would Justin have done the same thing? I'm sure Justin would have done the same thing. But they chose Matthias. And, and that's how we get on. We just need to make choices and move forward with the choices God makes. Sometimes we get so crippled trying to make the perfect choice that we don't make any choice. And we need to make those choices and move forward with those things. So that's chapter 1 of Acts. And God's working in the church, in the new church, the, 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 this new, new church that the apostles uh, were, were, were starting off uh, through Jesus uh, leadership through the power of the Holy Spirit, and that continues today through us. And we see the example of the apostles here, uh, of, of their, their dedication to get that message out, as, as, and their, 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 their focus on telling people about Jesus rising again and the promise that God made us. And, and then one of the most important things we have to do every day is make decisions in our life. Sometimes over and over and over again, right? <laughs> yeah, but we, we have guidelines that he put here for us uh, to make those decisions correctly. So I hope those things uh, will stick with us this week and, and help us in, and th to think about those as we go through this week. So uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your word. We thank you for uh, what, the things you've showed us here this, uh, this, this, this Sunday. Uh, uh, of our participation in, in your work here, in the work of the church. Lord, help us uh, to come together in a strong way, Lord, to, to preach and teach the gospel message, to share the gospel with everyone that we meet, and to be sure we're proclaiming that word. Lord, help us uh, to draw closer to you in prayer and in Bible study as we, as we do those things that are pleasing to you and making those decisions. Lord, help us to be an example for you in everything we do. And bless us and, and, and be with us the rest of this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.